Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of June 10, 2013. This is episode 196. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We're the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. Joining me today via transom is our... Katie Streeter, content marketing specialist for Interval. Uh, Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. And our special guest who's joining us for, I don't know, maybe the third or fourth time. Chris, what is it? Is it third? I, I think it may be the, even the fifth time. Is it the uh, fifth time? Yes. I'm a regular. Wow. You see, I, you're in the five-timers club now. You are. <laughs> yeah. I, I, do I get a free sandwich after nine? I don't know. You're, I the, think- first, <laughs> you're the first one there. Anyway, Chris Boyer, Associate Vice President at North Shore LIJ Health System in New York. Yeah. You, Steve Martin, Alec Baldwin. I mean... That's a, pretty pre- that's a prestigious club. I know. I know. <laughs> no, I think you I think you actually are probably the only one in the five timers club. So Wow. Either condolences I'm, or congratulations. Is this where I asked for a stipend? <laughs> you you already asked for it. You got your, your free sandwich after nine. <laughs> we'll send you a robe with the uh bastards logo emblazoned on it. Right. <laughs> a robe. <laughs> it's like a smoking robe, is that what it's called? <laughs> smoking jacket. Smoking jacket. That's it. Oh, okay. I like smoking robe better. I do too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get through a couple updates first, and then uh, we've got kind of a special, a special deal we're going to be doing here. So I'm going to get to that second. But first, let's see. Remember, the Joe Public Retreat is coming up. Still not too late. If you're not registered, we have a great group coming, June 19th through the 21st. Uh, check out JoePublicRetreat.com. What did I say before? It's two days of consultative awesomeness. Yep. So join us for that. Uh, I'm going to be at two speaking engagements, uh, the first of which is coming up. Actually, it'll be probably the week of this podcast posting uh, on June 13th at the Arkansas Hospital Association, Arkansas Health Executives Forum, where I'm going to be doing the Joe Public Doesn't Care About Your Hospital presentation to a group of CEOs and CFOs, which is awesome. And then, Chris, you and I are both at the same conference in July. We're at the, okay, take a deep breath, the Reagan Healthcare Summit for PR and Marketing Communicators Conference. Wow. Wow. Tuesday, July 23rd at the Gleacher Center. And you're going to be talking about uh, ROI. Yes, evidence-based marketing. Nice. Yeah. And I'm doing a, go ahead. And it's more than just social media. It's all digital marketing and all marketing in general. So Nice. I like the evidence-based. That's good. That's all you got to say about it? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it's not for the faint of heart. Be oh, prepared to be challenged. That's a good way to get people to come. Yes, absolutely. It should be a, it should be a good a good presentation, at least the one I'm doing. Yours, I'm not so sure about. What are you doing? The Joe Public doesn't care about your hospital. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, there's a lot of speakers, a lot of good folks. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely check that out. That what did I say the date already? Yeah, Tuesday, July 23rd at the Gleacher Center in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And Chris, you and I are we'll probably do a happy hour after that. So people are welcome to join us. You can follow us on Twitter and and let us know if you're going to be there. I'm at Interval Chris, and what's yours, Chris? Chris at Chris Boyer. Okay. okay. So, uh, before we get to our topics, we are on the countdown to the 200th 
podcast, the Bicentennial podcast. Is that the appropriate way to use Bicentennial? I think so. Mm-hmm. I think it is too. Yeah. So we figured out that the first podcast was September 6, 2006. Now, <laughs> it's important to note that we do this weekly, but it wasn't weekly in the beginning. It was, I think the first couple literally were a year apart from each other. It wasn't until 2009 that we started picking up the pace and do it weekly. But literally, number one was in 2006. And so what we want to do is over the next, including this one, the next four podcast. So as we count down to 200, uh, we are going to share the top five best something with people. So like today's is what are the top five things or I guess it's just three. Sorry, yeah. not the top five. <laughs> Damn it. So today is three. I thought it was five. They changed it on me. Three, th- three things that have changed in our lives since the first podcast. So we're all going to talk about that. And then next week, we're going to talk about uh, our top five best show titles. And what we want to do is make this interactive and collaborative. So what we would like is listeners to send in their submissions for the best five show titles. And what we're going to do as a little incentive is every time you submit something each week for one of these best fives, your name's going to go into a hat. And then on the 200th podcast recording, we're going to draw winners. And the top winner will probably get uh, an iPad mini, uh, we're going to give away an Apple TV. We're going to give away a Fitbit. And uh, fourth place is going to get a free subscription to the Weekly Probe. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that makes sense. If it doesn't, Katie will clarify everything on um, when we post this uh, yes. on LinkedIn. But uh, for today, what we wanted to do was share what three things, what's three, what are the three maybe most significant or important or cool things that have changed since we did this first podcast real quickly. Since 2006. So, Chris Boyer, you're our guest. Do you have three? Did you come up with three? I do, yeah. I, I do have three things. I actually remember, I think I may have been one of your earliest listeners. Um, I'm not sure it was the very first podcast back then in 2006, but I remember finding your podcast in late 2006 and listening to it. And I was totally excited that there was a uh, healthcare marketing podcast out there somewhere on iTunes. Um, and I was just really excited about that. But way back then, I was living in Colorado, um, working as a consultant, working with hospitals. Um, so one of the biggest changes in my life in the last uh, in the, in, since 2006 is I have now relocated from Colorado to New York, and I'm working within the hospital itself. I was um, very happy to to come from the outside and come on the inside because I I, I was I really like to make things happen and coming on the inside, working within a hospital system. It's been really a lot of fun. So that's probably the biggest thing that's changed. Cool. One of the other big things that changed um, in those last, uh, since 2006, I think, is sort of the emphasis um, on digital tools, digital marketing vehicles um, that have kind of come and gone as, as the years have passed. And I remember back in 2006, social media was just starting to um, surface itself and not really used in healthcare, and then we had a huge surge of interest around social media, you know, in the last couple of years. And now, what I'm finding is that um, it's not just social as being kind of the the panacea of everything. People are starting to realize that it's truly sort of integrated, using integrated digital tools um, in their in what in their in healthcare marketing, and I think that's really kind of a big change too. So, I mean, way back in 2006, I think Adam was Friendster still around back then? 
Sure. 2006? I, yeah. That's a good question. I'm not sure when that officially faded away, died off. Yeah. Well, I did have a Friendster account, so <laughs> that's how old I am and how long I've been in this space. But anyway, so, you know, um, you know, no one was really talking about Twitter back then, but uh, certainly that's a, a primary way that I communicate now. So, But um, using all of the digital tools in sort of healthcare marketing is, is huge. And I think the other biggest change in my life um, in terms of how I communicate or how I interact and what I do um, is that... I've really come to realize and respect what's happening in a hospital space so much so that I thought back in 2006 that, boy, healthcare really needs to change. And now, you know, 13 years later, or not 13, uh, seven years later, I really realize that health hospitals need to change. (laughs) They're they're not changing as fast as I thought they should be back then, and it's getting even worse now. So um, I'm feeling even more, I have more wind in my sails, so to speak, and trying to be a change agent because we really need to change things here. So I kept my my three things focused on the business side primarily. I'm the opposite, so that's good. That would be a nice balance. Yeah, that was awesome. Katie, what's yours? Um, okay. Well, <laughs> um, in 2006, I was quite young. So since then, I have graduated from both high school and college. Wow. Um, wow. In so September 2006, I was um, starting my sophomore year of high school. <laughs> um, and since then, I've gotten my driver's license, and I've been in, <laughs> and I've been in one car accident as a um, cause of that driver's license. I guess. Um, actually, it wasn't it wasn't a bad car accident, but I was leaving school, high school, and uh, one of my friends was at an intersection up ahead of me, and this was like two months after I'd gotten my license and I was waving at them and someone in front of me stopped and I rear-ended them. So (laughs) right by high school, so everyone could see. (laughs) So that was embarrassing. Um, And then the third thing is that I've moved to a new state. Um, I grew up in Wisconsin, graduated from Waukesha South High School and then came up to Minnesota for, uh, to the university of Minnesota um, and have made it my home. And it is now my transplant state. I don't plan to leave for a while. So cool. Yeah. Wow. Those I are significant old. changes. Yeah, no, I feel really old. <laughs> I feel very young. <laughs> All right, Adam, what do you got? Uh, well, I, I was on. I was on the first podcast, so I've. I can't I can't claim too many like major uh professional changes since then. <clears throat> I did actually I think between then and now I did work for myself for about a year. Um so that was actually that was a big deal, but I won't I won't use that as one of my one of my things. I would say that probably um having kids in you know outside of work was the biggest thing. Um I've got two little boys, a three-year-old and a seven-month-old. Um so I'm going to use uh those two guys for one and two. And probably the third, um, as far as something really significant, and it's in the healthcare space, is learning that uh, my seven-month-old is going to need a, a bone marrow transplant. So that's been a very um, big deal for, uh, obviously, for uh, my wife and I and our family and uh, friends and everything. So um, that's something that's definitely kind of rocked our world here over the last uh, few months. So 
we're mm-hmm. right in the middle of that moving in the right direction so um yeah those are my three yeah. oh those are three giant ones I, I don't even want to say mine now after those <laughs> <laughs> so i'll i'll be quick i went with the spirit of three so i i'm in my third house since 2000 and september 2006 uh i've written three books and i went from zero cats to three cats <laughs> No, you have three cats. Three cats. I yeah. didn't know that. And actually, a dog. <laughs> a dog is pending. A dog is coming. No way. Really? Probably, yeah, probably by the end of the month. What kind oh of dog? Gosh. A golden retriever. No, wow, you get the dog. Dog. A real dog. Yeah. Yep. Not like some little yippy thing, but like no. this big lay in front of the fireplace. <laughs> and is it going to be a puppy or is it going to? No, be- no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to do a rescue dog, but oh, we still want one that's younger. Cool. Yeah. Good for you. Cool. Yes, that's awesome. All right. Cool, you guys. Well, that's cool. And again, so next time we all have to come up with our five best show titles and we invite listeners to submit their five best show titles. So, Chris, you can do that too. Oh, um, yeah. And your name gets put into a hat for valuable prizes. Yeah. And I another know one already oh. on top of the list. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that must be a good one then. <laughs> it's probably your most SEO term as well. Yeah, yeah. Huh? <laughs> I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I know. I don't. The one that, we, the one that, the one that nobody else would probably know. Don't say it. I won't. I won't because I know, I know. because we changed. We actually went back and changed the title of it. Oh. So Chris has got Chris Boyer has got the inside uh, scoop there. We what? should say that if anybody includes that in their top five, the actual original name, that they get double entry for that because that means <laughs> that means they have to remember it. They can't just go back and scan right. the titles. Right. Well, another thing is that I wanted to mention for this is that if you submit something each week, your name is entered each week too. Right. So you have more of a chance of winning. Can't win two prizes, but right, you can up your chances for one of the prizes. So yeah. And what did we say? How to how to submit like. Email, Twitter, well, Facebook. That's probably a good yeah, whatever. And <laughs> <laughs> you do it however you want to, as long as you get it get it to us. Um, I'd yeah. say post it on LinkedIn or you LinkedIn. So? Yeah. yeah, I mean, get it to us however you want to, probably. Yeah, or you can email us at. Um, well, you can email me at Katie at thinkinterval dot com if you'd prefer to email. Otherwise, any of our social media channels, probably. Yeah. So, whatever you prefer. Yep, but LinkedIn is kind of our official group and discussion area after the shows yep. and stuff, aside from the website. Yep, um, yeah. and that's the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast group. So right. go search for it if you're not a member, or I think they're called members, yeah, yep. and join. Okay, we got to actually get to something healthcare marketing before we can <laughs> <Yeah>. the show. <laughs> so, it's awesome, Chris, that you're joining us because I think there are very few people that I can think of that could speak to this topic as well as you could. Uh, and this is, we've been doing an ongoing series on content marketing. We just feel like it is such a significant strategy uh, for healthcare marketers to embrace. And we really are trying to contrast it with promotional marketing. Uh, and all the things that you know traditionally folks do that oftentimes are very expensive and also very ineffective. And our last post was really uh, helping people understand how do they create a content marketing program that actually will stand out in the market. And you know, I've been talking about this in the context of health and wellness marketing for uh, four or five years now. 
And I've always said, even in the beginning, back before reform, back before everybody was talking about wellness or content marketing, that you know, one of the great things about this approach is that anybody can do it. Any provider could do this. Uh, you know, even a single doctor practice could, could take this approach. But then when I get to the challenges of this, that's also a challenge, is that anybody can do it. And these days, everybody is. I mean, content marketing is the hot button issue of the year. Uh, and not just within hospitals and health systems, uh, but you've got folks from all other industries who are focusing on the healthcare consumer. And so now it's at a point where you've, you've probably lost the opportunity to be first in your market. Maybe, depending on the market you're in, uh, you could still go out there in a significant way using content marketing uh, and beat your direct competitors. Uh, but you're definitely going to be competing for the minds of consumers when it comes to uh, health content. So we've heard from a number of people who kind of just throw up their hands and say, well, we can't compete with Fitbit. We can't compete with Nike. So why even bother? <clears throat> and so this this post is really about how do you create a content marketing program uh, that can stand out, not only from uh, your competitors, but from uh you know, others who are, who are trying for the same kind of approach with your audience. So, Chris, I don't know if you have something off the top of your head you want to talk to or you'd rather have me list a couple of ideas and have you react to them. You tell me which way you want to go. Well, I mean, you outlined um, some really good points in your blog post, which, by the way, I have to mention, um, you're using content marketing as content marketing. That's very meta of you. Um, on your email. <laughs> is it, it's like being in a hall of mirrors, isn't it? It kind of is. But you kind of outlined a, a couple of good points and, and highlighted it in the, in the blog post that allow uh, people that are, are looking to go down this path to really start to focus in on. And, um, and I think that maybe you know, going down them one by one and we can kind of chime in where we can would probably work, work best. Sure, sure. I mean, I think to start with the idea that if you're a provider organization, you have something inherently that, uh, you know, if we're talking about competing with non-hospitals and health systems, let's start with that. You have something that they don't, which is an automatic uh, assumption by the consumer that you have medical expertise that others can't replicate because, frankly, you have doctors and they don't. Now, a lot of these places do hire doctors as part of their offering or service of their program. Uh, you know, and so I don't know who might do that. A Nike might do that or Fitbit, but they're bringing them in to supplement whatever it is they're doing. That's not the core of their business. You are in the market to, to provide medical expertise. That's what you're there for. And so consumers will give you the benefit of the doubt that you know more about this than anybody. And so the first thing to do is make sure you're leveraging that, that aspect uh, and bring it to the forefront, right? Yeah. I mean, having the doctors and, and, and as a, a way that they're aligned with your health system is going to be is, is a really huge differentiator. Uh, and the, and the, the good thing about that is, is that, yeah, you're right, the community thinks that your doctors are the experts and therefore this is a sort of halo effect assumptively that your health system is as well. I mean, um, but, you know, I think the, the, the trick here, though, as a provider is to ensure that as, as these doctors are engaging in content marketing, that it aligns with what you want to be known for at your organization or one of the, some of the things that you're good at. Because, um, you know, you could have doctors blogging about a variety of different things, a variety of different topics, 
um, occasionally, most of the time, they come in from their clinical side and they want to talk about what they're experts at. But sometimes I've seen some hospitals engage in content marketing where their doctors are blogging about, you know, the cinnamon challenge, you know, eating a teaspoon of cinnamon and, and, and what, what that effect is on health. Mm-hmm. And I don't see how that connects necessarily to, you know, what your hospital is doing. So you got to kind of walk that fine line to ensure that if your doctors are participating, that they're participating in ways that you can kind of guide them to, to the care that you're mm-hmm. providing. Right. And that, and that speaks to, you know, how do you, how do you make a content marketing program your own? Uh, that's how you can differentiate from other providers in your market. They're trying to do similar things. So you've, you're talking about, you know, really bring forward what is your brand voice? What is your competitive differentiation? Mm-hmm. Um, those things are really critical. Another thing that's critical from our standpoint, maybe Adam, you want to chime in here, is it's our belief that you should really create your own content. There's so much. Uh, out there that you could license. There's so many resources that you could pull in. Um, a lot of times it's, it's potentially cheaper. It may be easier uh, to do that, but there's a lot of challenges with it. It's, you know, Adam, I don't know if you want to speak to it, but uh, we think you should create your own content for a number of reasons. Yeah, well, I mean, the last thing you want is to put something up that's exactly the same as uh, potentially your competitors or somebody at least close by or anyone, you know, just just even nationwide. I mean, there are so many people who who lease uh, license these 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 health libraries of, of content, and we won't you know we won't throw out any uh, any names of you know people who do it or the the, the libraries that that there are. But you know if you're listening to this, you know you know what they are, uh, and you have the exact same thing that a hundred other hospitals across the country have, and maybe even somebody fairly local to you have. Or in most cases, they you know they offer you the the opportunity to customize it to some extent. Um, we don't see that done very well, um, if at all, very often. Uh, so, you know, there's really nothing that's getting you benefit online uh, from that content. And a lot of times we even see that the healthcare providers within the organization, the doctors and nurses, either don't know that that content exists on the website or in some cases don't even necessarily agree with it or use it um, to, to, to supplement the care that they're providing. So there's the mileage that could be gained out of that stuff never is or rarely is. Um, and you're just get, you're getting very little benefit out of it um, from an SEO standpoint because a it's kind of a you know in some regards a content farm is duplicated across the web um, so you get a, you get dinged for it um, not not in all cases I'm not going to say it just it's not that's that's a, that would be an unfair blanket statement but there's 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 not much geographical relevance in there so you're not getting benefit from that um, so you know our we we advocate for creating. Uh, geographically relevant content that your organization can be proud of, can will leverage um, in the actual care setting, and you know, in, when appropriate. Um, but really, is going to be stuff that um, you know has SEO value uh, and just has genuine value uh, to your immediate market. So, mm-hmm. I'll step off my soapbox. <laughs> and not to mention, those libraries can be extremely difficult to navigate. I know when I've tried to go in and look for stuff before. In, in those libraries, and not all of them, I'm sure. Some some of them are probably better, but it's hard to find what you're looking for. Yeah, they're horrible. Not, they're not intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree with all that, Chris, without going well, into fast detail? Or, well, or? you know, I, I, I'm kind of of two minds with health libraries because I think they serve a purpose, but they don't serve a purpose in content marketing. Right. Um, I think that you can certainly utilize them uh, in, in in certain ways, but you really want to focus on that unique original content that is your own. 
um, the the challenge always is is with you know how do you get that content created. Um, but you know it doesn't necessarily have to be an inordinate amount of content. It's not like you're asking the doctors to rewrite your whole website. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to do that anyway. Um, let you know that's going to be tough to do. But um, you certainly want uh, you want to have their voice and sort of the your, your own voice into what you're you're doing with your content marketing, or else it does just get lost in the weeds. And regardless of SEO purpose, you know it's not useful for people. Right. 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 You know, so the the other thing is, and we've been alluding to this, is you know, you've got to you've got to package this in the right way. You've got to make you know, in the in the blog post, I note that if you if you type in back pain video with quotes in Google, you get about four hundred and fifty million hits. So just creating a back pain video ain't gonna cut it. Uh, you've got to use some of the things we're talking about, but you still have to package your program in a creative way. In the, in this sense, it's very much like promotional marketing, where you do have to cut through the clutter. And um, I think that's what's interesting when I hear people who who say, you know, well, you know, why should we do content marketing? Or we can't do that because other people are doing it. How can we compete with that? Well, for decades, you've been trying to compete directly with people with promotional marketing. So really now you're just in the same boat somewhat with content marketing. Uh, you just need to figure out a way to do it in a creative fashion. Uh, so in addition to having quality content, making it your own, all of that, you still have to package it. You have to find kind of a reason uh, or a theme behind it. You've got to make it creative or interesting. Uh, all those things still matter, even though we're still talking about content marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, finding some some kind of uh, a way that you can you can purpose this, it not only gives it uh, gives it more context for the users that approach it. That is, if you you, you need to choose a a promotion or a, a package that actually is appealing to what you're trying to do, but it also gives you direction in terms of the content that you're creating. So that way, you don't feel like there's a scope creep. Um, I know you, I noticed in the article you quoted what what you know what was done at Innova when I was part of that with the Fit for Fifty program, which is still going on. That's really focused on fitness and wellness, and it really gives it a a format that you can apply content marketing to. So you don't go down the you know down these other paths. Once you start to go down you know, certain things that are outside of your program, you may want to consider different approaches and different different programs or different packages, so to speak. Right. And that's a perfect example because you didn't just go out with content marketing around health and wellness and it was just like this gigantic blanket of health and wellness. You started initially with a very specific offering, a 50-day program that people literally walked through day by day. Uh, and so it was still health and wellness, still fitness and, and all of that stuff, but there was a packaging to it. There was a, a reason for it to exist. It was accessible. Uh, it, it made sense for consumers and how they would use it and why they would use it. And it wasn't just this overwhelming you know, um, shotgun of health and, and, and wellness content and good luck trying to figure out what's relevant and important or how you use this. So that's a perfect example, I think. Yeah, it builds a lot of engagement, and there's a lot of opportunities. You know, there's thematic opportunities, like for example, uh, I'm sorry, I said thematic, but um, what I meant is like you know, there's Breast Cancer Month, which is a good opportunity where the the where the rest of the population is thinking about maybe talking about breast cancer. That you can you could theme something around that. You could take advantage of those in healthcare, but you can also look at what's going on in your community. There may be certain communities that you want to address with a content marketing approach, or you want to address, you know, highlight a particular type of service 
um, and that gives you some themes or some kind of ways to structure your program. But you've got to bring creativity into it and also focus on relevancy. Right, Chris? Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. It's got to be yep. relevant. But if you're doing content marketing, you're 90% of the way down the road to relevancy. That's mm-hmm. the benefit of it over you know, promotional almost every time. So, mm-hmm. Okay. So cool. So check out the blog post. Uh, it, we will provide a link to it, but it's also just in our blog section. Um, but we'd love feedback from people on it, and we always like to hear from folks either through the through the podcast channels or right there on the blog. If you've got comments, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So we got time for one more little nugget, and I don't even know how to approach this one, but uh, I don't know if we need a way to approach it. I. I I came at somebody referred this to me and, and Chris, you said you've seen this. It's mm-hmm. it's a video, um, I guess you could call it an ad, but it's fairly long, so it's not showing up on any TV spot, at least in its entirety. Um mm-hmm. but but Cleveland Clinic may be using this as a television spot by clipping out parts of it. Uh but it's basically I think it's titled the Empathy Video or Empathy. I don't know what the actual title is, but um when I first saw it, I'm like, when it was started rolling uh, it's a video that basically shows uh, the cameras kind of moving through a hospital and you're seeing people. And the premise of the video is, you know, what if you could walk in their shoes? What if you could hear what they hear? Uh, you know, obviously, this is about empathy. And so as you, as you see people kind of cross the screen or appear or a door opens, um, and it's not just patients. It's patients. It's family members. It's the healthcare workers. Uh, a little caption will pop up kind of floating by them or over their head or near them. Uh, and sometimes the captions are negative, you know, uh, just found out she has cancer. Sometimes they're positive, you know, wife surgery went well going home. Um, sometimes they're, you know, people aren't sure what's going on. But it basically captures in about three or four minutes a lot of the different feelings and emotions that people have. Uh, when they're in a hospital setting. And for whatever reason, it's a very simple premise, but for whatever reason, it's extraordinarily powerful. I don't know if you guys felt the same way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I did. Go ahead, Katie. Go. You could. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I th- yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I guess when I was first starting to watch it, I was a little skeptical about it, but then it actually really was impressive and powerful and emotional and um i saw a lot of people on non-healthcare related people facebook friends sharing it on facebook and that's how i came across it so i think that's an indication that it really had a an effect on people yeah uh totally um i I don't know if it would have had the same effect on me had you know like i alluded to earlier in the podcast my wife and i are going through a pretty significant healthcare experience right now with our, with our seven month old, but just watching, watching these words pop up next to these people kind of indicating what they're going through. Um, just made me think of all of the, the emotions and, and feel, you know, the, what we, what we were going through while we were in the hospital and what we're still going through now. Um, I was totally choked up. I had tears running down my eyes while I was mm-hmm. watching this thing yeah. earlier today. So, yeah, um, it is powerful. And it's a reminder. I think you know many of me, particular, but many people that I that I work with, we're here for for a, a bigger reason here. We want to help people, and I think that's that's great about working in the hospital. And it just reinforces that's what our role is here is to do yeah. that. It's really a good video. It's worth watching. Yeah, yeah. And I li- I especially like um, from a from a uh, organizational standpoint how they connected some of the healthcare providers 
um, in mm. there as well. So it's not just it's not just about the emotions of the patients um, or the families. Uh, it also connected the emotions of the providers themselves, the doctors and nurses. Um, not nearly as much, uh, but it, it was in there. It, you know, it just helps you helps you know remind you that they're people too. They're going through things too, um, and I think that's a good thing to not forget. Yeah. Yep. Totally. So we'll post a link to that as well. Good stuff from the Cleveland Clinic. Very yeah. good. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that felt like it went super fast. It did. It did. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> fun. What? You don't have that's to not, say it like that, Chris. Come on. Not, oh, it was a legitimate statement. It wasn't sarcastic. <laughs> did it sound like Valley Girlish? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't sarcastic at all. No. I just I just had a little brain fart and then <laughs> Realized I had to finish my statement. <laughs> oh, well. Well, Chris Boyer, as always, thank you so much for joining us. It's always mm. great having you on. Yeah, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go slip on my smoking robe now. <laughs> I think you need to slip off. You've been, <laughs> you've been puffing on a stogie the whole time you've been talking. Right on. That's an awesome visual right there. Oh. Chris Boyer puffing on a big stogie? No, a big pipe. It'd have to be a pipe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's classic maybe love- I'll bring a, maybe I'll bring a pipe to my next presentation then <laughs> <laughs> that, rem- that reminds a- me of the um, the Steve Martin bit on Saturday Night Live coming full yeah, circle he was smoking a pipe wasn't he when he was yeah, in that chair and he was saying it was all about you know all he wants is peace on earth or something like that and then he just kind of devolves into you know <laughs> as long as I have you know plenty of wealth and women at my feet and you know it's, it's hilarious when he does that <laughs> to find a link to that too now, is there anybody on the podcast here? Not to not to prolong our uh, our episode here, but that, that, that does not like the smell of pipe smoke. Um, smoke in general bothers me. I do, mm-hmm. it, smoke in general, me too. But there's something about like tobacco mm-hmm. from a pipe. This just it, it probably has to be the right tobacco. It smells. I don't know. I could just I could smell it all day. I don't smoke. I don't smoke a pipe. But if somebody were smoking a pipe near me, I'd probably just sit there and be like. Oh. <laughs> That smell, that's, mm-hmm. that's delicious. Mm-hmm. I guess I haven't uh, been around a lot of people who smoke from pipes, so maybe I don't even really know. At least not the pipes we're talking about. <laughs> oh, just kidding. <laughs> oh. Funny. <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> well, she, was, she was just in college, after all. <laughs> all right. I don't suspect Katie hangs around people who smoke from... Other kinds of I, I, We should just uh, leave it right there. Yeah, we should. Let's <laughs> leave it right leave there. People now. are going to start like scouting out Katie's Facebook friends <laughs> or LinkedIn connections. <laughs> All right. So let's sign off for Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards. This is Chris Bevelo, Katie Streeter, Adam Meyer, and Chris Boyer. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We will talk to you next time. 